So I decided to boot up Thai Gem for the first time in a long time. And it has been a long time because the last time I played a Thai Gem game, it seems, was June of 2022. So it's been well over a year since I tried playing on Thai Gem. And I was immediately reminded of why. <laughs> because I tried to find a game on Thai Gem by clicking the quick match button. And I tried again and again and I didn't find game and I when I last played on Thai Gem I remember I was uh, trying to get back into it and I tried to find a game and after trying like one time I was like you know what maybe I'll try a different server and I switched over and I haven't looked back since but I, I just wanted to kind of break my routine a little bit and I tried finding a game on Taijam and it was a little hard, but not too hard because although I couldn't find a game using the little quick match thing, I did have an invite pop up on me while I was looking. So I was like, you know what, let's accept whoever this is. And uh, my account, by the way, is uh, an 11Q account right now. Um, I just haven't touched the account in a really long time, so I was just hoping to quickly rank it up to where I'm at and see how the whole Gem experience is. But um, something interesting happened because as soon as I started playing, although you know I kind of expected to get maybe an easy win out of it since um, I'm you know like one Don Fox, but. I mean, although this person I was playing against was making a lot of fundamental mistakes, not defending their groups and playing a lot of second line moves in the opening, and, and it really gave me a, a quite a lead in the early game, uh, the more I played, the more I realized, okay, this person isn't exactly like around the 11Q strength. I, I, can, I can see that this person understands some more advanced concepts, and then I made a huge mistake in misjudging a Ko. Ko's are just really nasty in these time, uh, shorter time games because Ko's require you to really search throughout the whole board, judge the value of groups, and it's just like such a scramble when you're doing a Ko. And I made a mistake and I made a misjudgment deciding to win the Ko rather than respond to a Ko threat. And that co-threat was a pretty big one. Um, I was just, you know, I'm just still trying to get back into the, the faster time setting. And I just kind of <laughs> threw away the game. But overall, I, I think um, what really gave it away that my opponent was a sandbagger, a smurf, whatever you want to call it. Because uh, as soon as I had made like my big mistake, I played on because I was kind of still trying to accept the loss. And my opponent resigned at that point. And so it's like, okay, this person, I see their their win record. It's like pretty pretty much all losses. So they're they're keeping their account at a low level. But uh, I had a good game nonetheless. I, I'm thinking I'm going to keep trying to play on Gem as long as I can keep finding games on Gem. But I'll let you know how that goes. Welcome to Start Point, the show about Go for Go fans away from the board. And today I want to talk about Go in pop culture. Uh, I'm going to go over some places where you might find Go, where you might not expect to find Go. I'm going to list some celebrities, some famous people that uh, you may not have known play that play Go or have 
delved into the world of Go as a hobby and also go over some Go in TV shows and movies. So that's what we're going to get into today. And the first thing I want to name right off the bat is one of my favorite things, uh, my favorite references to Go in popular culture. It's Go's relationship to QR codes. Now, I'm sure all of you are familiar with what a QR code is. It stands for quick response. Maybe you didn't know that, but a QR code is, I'm sure many of you are familiar with, you go to a restaurant, there's like a little square-shaped barcode-looking thing, and you scan it with your phone, and it's just everywhere nowadays. It's just it's so ubiquitous. It's pretty much like a piece of technology that people really can't go without nowadays at least if you're especially if you're in uh, kind of any kind of like marketing or advertising or service industry or something like that and i want to tell you about why it's related to go um so the qr code was invented quite a while ago um in 1994 so that was 30 years ago um by japanese engineer masahiro hara and you know, being ex- invented so long ago, you can kind of see how it has become so popular recently because it has such a good synergy with modern smartphone technology, which only really, you know, started booming around the 2010s. So it's an interesting kind of development for you to invent a piece of t- technology a very long time ago and then have other technologies arise that integrate with it so well that it just explodes. But I want to tell you about the the original story of how it was invented. So uh, Masahiro Hara was a chief engineer at Denso Wave, which is a Japanese multinational automotive component manufacturer. They made parts for Toyota, so auto parts for Toyota. And the company had a process where they used barcodes to track parts for you know all the different uh, auto parts that they had, but it was an incredibly inefficient system since they had to put basically like 10 barcodes on every box and they had all these employees scanning barcode after barcode after barcode. And this engineer, uh, Masahiro Hara, was thinking about this part this problem like there's got to be a better way than to just have like all these barcodes scanned on each box and was playing go during a lunch break and was staring at the stones and looking at the stones arranged on the board and thinking about how much information was packed into these stones he had this breakthrough to invent the QR code as we know it Today, so it was originally used for consolidating all these barcodes in a an automotive company, an automotive part company. So it's quite fascinating to see how this initial application of this technology grew into what we know as QR codes today. You see them all over any restaurant you go to. You go to a restaurant, you scan a QR code, and you see the menu. You see them on business cards. You see them on boarding passes and tickets and mobile payments. You can use. You can even go to like a sporting game, and they'll have a QR code on the Jumbotron. And um, at the sporting event, you can just hold up your phone and scan the QR code and you'll be able to 
uh, go to whatever link that they want you to to visit. And, and you know, you just like can't foresee something like that happening in 1994. And you just can't imagine that's the application of the technology year, 30 years later. In fact, actually, in, in 2021, QR codes were being used to track COVID-19 cases and contact tracing. So there's a lot of also purposes for the medical industry for QR codes. And it's and he apparently... Um, Masahiro Hara, he still works for for the same company as of uh, as recently as 2022. So it's very fascinating. I mean, he's he didn't really make uh, you know uh, a lot of money out of this uh, QR code thing. Uh, it's not really like a monetized uh, enterprise, but it's certainly a big contribution to the technology of today. And it's awesome to see that Go, the game of Go, is what inspired it, and it makes a lot of sense too. Because you look at a Go board, and you see, look at, and you see at all the things that are going on, and only like as a Go player, you would understand how rich and deep the information on the Go board is, and how one stone of change would change everything on the board. And one thing I've noticed about QR codes is that recently I've seen some more of the stylized QR codes and some of them, they look, instead of like the normal blocky look that you usually get, like the pixelated QR code that you commonly see, I've, I've seen more of the ones that use circles. And it, I love those ones because they have like this, like it kind of reminds you of a Go board. And I like that connection there. So hopefully that one be- <laughs> becomes more popular. I've been seeing that one more lately. Um, on to the next popular culture reference um, to the game of Go. I'm sure many of you know this one. The video game company Atari was named after the Go term in Go. As you know, the Go term Atari, when a stone or a group of stones has one liberty left. So that is a pretty big and widely known company, Atari, uh, famous for making Pong, maybe arguably the first commercially successful video game. And surprisingly, Atari is not a Japanese company. It was founded in Sunnyvale, California. And the uh, co-founder who um, founded Atari and named it Atari said it was his favorite game of all time. So that's pretty um, a pretty nice uh, homage to the game of Go. Uh, for such a influential video game company, one of the pioneers, really. And with that, I want to go into some celebrities who play Go, or who have played Go. The first one I wanted to name is, let's see how many of you know these ones that I'll li- list. Uh, let me know if you have known, like, these are famous people that did play Go, or if these are new to you. First one, Bill Gates. He actually wanted to be a professional Go player at one point in his life. And uh, I mean, it's kind of like a theme. You see that many like of the the tech industry people are into Go. But I was surprised to learn that he was so into Go that he wanted to be a professional Go player. And so he must be pretty good at the game. And in fact, there is a video of Bill Gates on YouTube and he's in an interview 
alongside Magnus Carlsen. And if you don't know, Magnus Carlsen is like the Shinjins of chess. He's uh, the undisputed world champion, uh, best player for for, uh, many years. And they were doing like a little bit of a like a show match in the interview. The interviewer kind of nudged at the two saying, hey, you guys should play a game of chess. And they were they were going to play a game of chess. And let me just play for you the clip I want to talk about here. Oh, this is exciting. I'm better at Go than at chess, but... Uh, You're better at... I'm actually fairly good at Go. Uh, it's another, another board game. <laughs> did you know, before you started, did you know that you were partly to thank for his, his success? Actually, I didn't know that. I'm glad to hear it. If you didn't uh, catch what Bill Gates was saying there, he was saying, I'm better at Go than at chess. And um, the interviewer goes, you're better at what? And he goes, uh, you know, just, it's just another board game. And it's just so painful to hear that. You know, this is something that every Go player empathizes with is you, you mention the game and people are just kind of like, huh? And then they just move on. It, it's, uh, oh man, Bill Gates, you should have stood up for the game. You should have made a little bit of a spiel for Go. You Anyway, <laughs> um, the next celebrity who uh, at least played go at least once in his life very famous person mr barack obama president barack obama apparently learned go in college uh and said in uh in a little bit of a um in a little bit of a meet and greet with andy okun who was the former president of the aga obama told him i learned to play go in college from a guy named tim adding that Tim was a Go master. Uh, And then he was kind of talking to his aide, um, asking if he's ever ever played Go, and he hadn't. And um, he said something like, it's a very complicated game, uh, non-linear. And, you know, that was a very small tidbit, but it was an interesting little uh, anecdote to share about President Barack Obama. And it's relevant, and the reason why... um, Barack Obama was in contact with the AGA was because they were presenting a gift to the Chinese president with an American-made Go board and glass bowls during a visit in 2010. So, and I've I've seen a picture of this Go board. Um, it used to be on the AGA website. Now it may be somewhere in the depths of the archived version of the AGA website. But it was a really nicely made. Goban, it's like two and a half inch thick kind of thing, uh, but it had like kind of a dark finish, and on the back there was the presidential seal. Really cool stuff. Um, love that there was um, some you know go in in involved in this um, gift giving with uh, with China here. And uh, another celebrity that I'm, I'm sure every Go player has heard of is Emmanuel Lasker, who was the former world champion. Uh, of chess from 1894 to 1921 and he was famously one uh, like a master of chess who deeply believed that go was this kind of transcendent game kind of on a higher level than chess and 
uh, I wanted to share, I mean, this is the, he's famous for this quote that every Go player has heard. If they're sentient beings on other planets, then they play Go. And that clearly just refers to the simplicity and abstract nature of the game. It's a game that you discover, right? Not invent. And I want to share with you another quote that is less known by this person, Emmanuel Lasker. Had I discovered Go sooner, I would probably have never become world chess champion. And I want to notice the, I want you to notice that he doesn't say I would have become the world Go champion. He just says that he never would have become the world chess champion, which is incredible because it's like, you're saying that, you know, you're, you would have discovered Go and just pursued that even if that wasn't your, that wasn't going to lead to your grand success. You were just going to pursue it because of the profound nature of the game and you can just clearly sense in his words that he had a deep respect for the game so i mean we all have uh, major props to owe to dr emmanuel lasker for kind of promoting the game as he did another computer science fic- uh, figure who was into go was alan turing a legendary figure in computer science who was uh, in- responsible for Um, Concepts like the Turing machine and the Turing test. Will Wright is also another computer science person who is related to Go. Will Wright is the creator of SimCity and the Spore games. And he has been a fan of Go since his mother bought him a set when he was seven years old. And he likes that Go has simple rules but deep strategies. And... Another connection from SimCity to Go, if you look on Dwyron's channel, his most popular videos are actually SimCity videos. And I'm wondering now if if um, Dwyron got introduced to Go through SimCity. Um, I, I always wondered, you know, like, I mean, he's, uh, he's just got a lot of different variety of interests. Uh, and sometimes they come out on his channel. But I think he originally started his YouTube as um, a SimCity channel. Um, I, I can see how they're they're kind of related. It's it's interesting, right? Because you're kind of building, building up and stuff. But um, that, yeah, that's another uh, interesting little reference to Go there. Uh, the actor Paul Giamatti is known to have played Go, and the late Robin Williams, also known to have owned a Go set. David Lee Roth, the original frontman of Van Halen, has um, been in. Been learning Go from Myungwon Kim 9, 9P since 2015. I actually don't know if they still do that or or if they've stopped over the years, but um, that's an interesting. I'm I mean sure I'm sure they've. I, I don't know. It's just hard for me to imagine that this whole time they've been uh, learning how to play, <laughs> or, or he's been taking lessons from Myungwon Kim. Um, it's a uh, quite a um, an interesting pairing there. David Lee Roth of Van Halen. And also, more rock stars, the late Sid Barrett, the founder, one of the founders of, actually the founder of Pink Floyd, um, the late Sid Barrett, he was also reported to staying up, reported as staying up late into the night in the 60s, playing Go with his then girlfriend, and he was born in a house that is now occupied by a three don. I don't know who know who reports on these things, but apparently that's the case. And um, finally, last but not least, Rod Stewart, another rock icon who is also known to have been interested in Go.
I want to talk next about some Go appearances in TV shows and movies. The first one I want to mention is called Blue Eye Samurai, which is a, a beautifully animated and written show that was recently released on Netflix. It's about a samurai who goes after some people for revenge. And this per- the samurai in particular has blue eyes because he is half Japanese and half white and considered by Japanese society to be kind of demonic. So a very kind of lone wolf type figure it goes and tries to find certain people on a quest for revenge. Um, I, I do want to mention viewer discretion is highly advised. There's a lot of gore and nudity in the show, but it's uh, aside from those precautions the show itself is very well written and very well voice acted and there is a go reference in the show somewhere um it's more than a couple seconds (laughs) but not too long either but that is one of the places where i recently saw go in a tv show another tv show that heavily features the game of go is the glory a korean drama about i mean it's another revenge story where a a woman goes out for revenge against her bu- former bullies and the way she see- sees her whole plan unfold, it, it constantly make re- makes references to the game of Go. She actually plays Go um, throughout the, the series and that was really the main reason why I watched it. Uh, I couldn't really, you know, I didn't care too much for the actual story of the game, but they have some nice Go scenes in there. They actually, since it's a Korean-made show, they know the game of Go, so they, they have actual positions laid out on the board they go to a go club and um, one of my favorite scenes in the show was of a go park where people go to play go and and it's not like a dinky old dirty old park um, but an actually like go themed park where they have like these go decorations and lit up floors and it, it looks really really cool and i really wish i could go there it looks like go heaven <laughs> but um, that's the glory uh korean drama heavily revolving around this the the game of go a couple of other movies that i've mentioned previously on this podcast a beautiful mind which is about the late john nash who is into go and there's a go scene in that movie and also knives out which also has a go scene another movie that i haven't mentioned on the show is tron legacy tron legacy which came out in 2010 as uh, another addition to the tron series if you don't know tron is about people who get sucked into a video game and they kind of like live inside the the world of the the video game and uh, it's been a while since i've seen it as i said it came out in 2010 but apparently olivia wilde who is in the movie suggested that go was used in the movie as it is something that computers cannot master. Well, since 2010, we all kind of know how that turned out, where uh, our last bastion of hope for humanity was taken down by AlphaGo in 2015. But nonetheless, it does remind us of what Go used to represent for us, and it's nice to see the game featured in such a big blockbuster movie. I do want to mention Hikaru no Go. Of course, I cannot mention... Uh, I cannot do a an episode about Go in popular culture without mentioning Hikaru no Go, but since it's such a huge influence 
on the Go community, I think it kind of deserves its own episode. So I won't say too much about Hikaru no Go. Uh, Warframe. Uh, this isn't a TV show or movie, but rather a video game, which I have never played. I'm not familiar with the series at all, but I only know because apparently Go exists in this video game as like a little mini game. And the game is called Komi. Clearly named after the extra points given to White um, at the beginning of the game. Um, but apparently this little mini game is, is essentially just capture go and it's played on a five by five or a nine by nine. And you have to capture 10 stones to win the match. And I watched a little bit of a clip of a streamer on Twitch playing Komi on Warframe. And, uh, they apparently found the secret technique and I, I watched the play and the secret technique is run your opponent's stones on the first line to the edge of the board. <laughs> so not the most secret technique for the average Go player, but um, one thing I kind of wish was that, you know, I wish there was a, a way or a moment where these people playing this game would realize this was a reference to the actual game of Go and have this as a path to learning the actual game. But I think it would be pretty hard. You, you kind of look at the game, see that it's like an interesting little abstract game that the game developers came up with, but you kind of leave it there and, and think, okay, that's like kind of a cool game, but there's not much depth to it. I'm going to move on with my life. So I kind of wish there was a little more of a way for that game to reference the actual game of Go. Um, and last but not least, I want to mention this movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. This is a stop motion animation. Um, it's by Laika, the studio responsible for Coraline. And Go is featured in the opening scene where there's just like a small snapshot of two men playing in the public square. Um, the, the movie is set in Japan and it's about a boy with a magical instrument called the shamisen, which is a traditional Japanese stringed instrument and he is setting off on a quest to defeat his mother's evil twin sisters. So it's kind of another revenge thing. What's with the revenge stuff with with Go? Is that is Go really that spiteful of a game? I mean, it, it can be, I guess. Um, but uh, it's a fantastic movie. It's it's not as uh, it's kid friendly. So it's it's a little animation. It's really really pretty. And I highly recommend it, although the go in it is not very long. Okay, and that does it for the cultural references to go for now. And it's time for the DDK Advice Corner. And the tip of the day is to play light when cornered. I saw someone playing a game and their stones were heavily attacked. There were enemy stones all over the place. And this player just kind of kept on committing to that group and adding more stones to that group only furthering the level of doom so in this situation when you feel suffocated consider playing lightly and what playing lightly means is kind of not committing and playing kind of further away playing looser weak shapes that you know can maybe be cut but that's okay because the whole point isn't to keep everything connected but to Use and sacrifice stones when needed to gain other advantages on the board. So this is a higher level concept to understand and it'll take some practice and research. So so maybe go on YouTube or or just look up how to play lightly in Go 
and that might add another weapon to your arsenal of techniques when you're playing the game of go so when you're cornered and seems like you know adding more stones to that area will only just give you give the opponent more stones to kill think about maybe how to play lightly how to jump away and kind of treat the stones like as non-committal kind of things it's it's a very high level concept to understand but once you start understanding once you try to practice it you you it's not that um difficult to pick up and with that we're going to get into go news and today in go news we have the the uh first round of the 48th kisei which happened on January 11th and 12th between Iyama Yuta and Ichirikiryo. So this is a Japanese domestic title. And they have, for the Kisei, eight hours of thinking time over the course of two days for each round. And it's going to be a best of seven. So for the first round, Iyama Yuta defeated the defending title holder, Ichirikiryo. Iyama Yuta is the current Oza. And the first round was held at Hotel Tsubaki Yamaso in Tokyo. And the next round will be in at the Kofukuji Temple in Nara in, on January 20th and 21st, which for you listeners just happened this past weekend. Uh, so I will give you an update on that next week. Another funny little bit of news that happened was um, in the pro world, 52-year-old Sayuki Kurahashi, Nindan, resigned a game after pressing the clock incorrectly after 43 moves in a match against 27-year-old Yugo Takashima Fordan. And what happened was he got up for a little break, came back, noticed his clock was still running, and just assumed that he hadn't pressed his clock. He goes and punches his clock without making a move and thereby just kind of passing his turn and decided oh no i'm gonna resign now what's doubly unfortunate about this situation is that in the japanese rules this kind of time violation you can get off with a warning on the first defense and it's only until the second defense where you have to resign and so not only did sayuki kurahashi hit the clock mistakenly uh, and prematurely he also prematurely resigned so that's unfortunate stuff that Go players sometimes have to deal with. It's such a tense game in that way. There's these like tiny mistakes you can make that just ruin everything. So very sad, but also kind of a little funny. Hopefully he can laugh at it as well. <laughs> um, and in this week in Go, on January 18th, Honimbo Shusai died 84 years ago. Can you believe it? Honimbo Shusai, such a legendary figure. And 84 years ago, in some ways, is a very long time ago, but in another way, doesn't seem that long ago. And with that, we're going to get right into listener mail. Beautiful Gary 89 writes, I'd love to hear your thoughts on replaying or studying pro games. I would consider myself a DDK, and I've always heard that players my level should stay away from pro games because there's just too much going on below the surface for the DDK player to really gain anything from looking at the game. But recently I've started doing something that I find to be really fun. I use the SmartGo app on my phone to find games from pro players I like. SmartGo has a function that auto plays through the game and you can set the speed at which it plays through. I usually set it for 20 seconds for each move, then play over a real board and place a stone where I'm making my guess. Instead of trying to read out variations, I simply challenge myself to find the right area of play. 
There have been a few times where I've guessed the moves exactly right. I feel like it's helping me to get a good sense of the direction of play, even if I might not be good enough to read out things exactly. Thanks for writing in, beautiful Gary, and I'd love to answer that question with some of my thoughts on studying pro games. I think that, firstly, it really depends on your goal for this game. If you enjoy studying pro games, then th that should be worth it in and of itself. If that's an activity that you enjoy. I myself love going over pro games from time to time. I think there is some valid warning about going too much into trying to learn from pro games as a DDK. There's a lot of stuff you will not understand, but I also do think there is a lot of value in going over pro games every once in a while, because I think that going over pro games more than anything else lets you kind of absorb the archetype of what games look like. And so you, by going over lots of pro games, you kind of have a better sense of what moves should kind of be floating in your consciousness as you play. If you look at a lot of lower level players games, they'll play moves on like sixth or seventh line. And if you've gone over a few pro games, you won't like, you won't be playing sixth or seventh line moves on the opening um, because you just know that's not normal. Maybe you don't understand why, but it's a good like kind of gentle guidance, I think, to learn. And especially if you're thinking about it a little bit while you're going over the, the pro game and trying to guess the moves, I think it's a productive use of time. But um, just don't, I think the only thing is that don't think that like you understand certain moves too much. Always take your own opinions about the pro game with a grain, grain of salt, because you may think, oh yeah, this is obviously playing here because this and that, but it may totally be not the case. So just be careful and, and take yourself with a grain of salt. Um, Beautiful Gary has a little more to say, saying it might be cheesy, but it reminds me of that time Hikaru no Go, where Hikaru spent the summer playing Internet Go as a way to let Sai play anonymously. At the end of that bit, Sai tells Hikaru he just got he got stronger just by watching Sai's games, and I kind of feel like I'm learning just by replaying these games. Again, I might not get as much out of it as a Don level player, but at the end of the day, I find it a lot of fun. Well, thanks for writing in, and yes, that's really what's the most important is that you find it fun to do that, and. Again, there is value in doing that. So keep it up, uh, beautiful Gary. Thanks for writing it. Um, Martin has written it again, answering the question, what initially drew you to the game? And says, I was completely overwhelmed by the sheer, sheer endless possibilities to play. Every felt, Every game felt like I was discovering the unknown. I felt like being in the middle of the sea with no land in sight. There was simply no point of orientation because I didn't know how to interpret any shape. It was awesome. Sometimes I miss my DDK times. Games were much wilder, much more surprising, and the table turned much quicker. Good times. Anyway, thanks for your podcast. Love it as always. Greetings from, greetings from Austria, Martin. Thanks again for writing in, Martin. And I also miss certain things about being a DDK. I think one of the things I miss most was how quickly you can improve through the DDK ranks and that how often that feeling of improvement can come compared to as when you've ranked up a little more and it becomes a little thicker, a little harder to improve. But I think that's, uh, yeah, that I always, I also sympathize with the, the, the feeling of being in the middle of the sea. Although you, you quickly want to try to get rid of that feeling so you know what you're doing, but you know, it's, it's, it's like got its own charm. So thanks for writing in. And finally, James writes in saying, Hi, Justin. Happy New Year. I think what drew me to the game and continues to fascinate me is just how big it is. I used to play video games a lot, and after I found Go, they just felt sort of small. 
I can't be alone in this, but from the moment I started playing Go, I knew this was going to be a part of the rest of my life. I could always picture myself playing as an old man in a nursing home. You can love Halo or Modern Warfare, but it isn't exactly something that you think, man, I could see myself playing this when I'm 80. Anyway, still loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Best, James. Thanks for writing in, James, and Happy New Year to you as well. Um, although I, I do think that some people do imagine themselves playing Halo or Modern Warfare in a nursing home while they're, they're 80. I, I do know what you mean, though. It, it's like you don't need reflexes to play Go. I mean, I guess like from the example earlier in Go News today, you do need some kind of you know awareness where, with the time control and stuff. But overall, Go is a is a game that depreciates less as you age than a lot of other things like sports or these kind of fast reflex video games. Um, I, I have been, you know, I'm not like a crazy Counter-Strike player, but I've been playing, you know, I, I, that's like been like one of the games that I used to play. And these kids, they just come out of nowhere and they clobber me in, in these first person shooter games. Um, but with Go, I mean, I guess the same thing, right? Like you see all these pros and then they're just getting, you see all these little kids coming out of the woodwork playing Go and they just come, kind of like take over and it's like, uh, you can never defeat the younger generation at anything really. But um, there is something that like Go is like, it's it's something that you can hang on to as like an older person and and i know what you mean by that because you don't need to, you know you're you're not really using your body too much and it keeps your mind sharp so definitely some appeal there so thanks for writing in james uh and the question of the week is where have you seen go in popular culture did i miss a reference or a famous person that you have in mind um about go in popular culture let me know so i can go over it and let the good folks listening to Starpoint know as well so if you want to share your thoughts or you have another question uh, about anything or you have a story about go you can share with me uh, wherever you're listening by commenting on youtube or reddit or um, email starpointpaduk at gmail.com that's starpointbaduk at gmail.com if you want to support the show you can like and subscribe wherever you're listening hit the bell on youtube follow on spotify or leave a review thanks so much for listening and keep playing go Thank you.